This podcast is made possible by McDSP, makers of the award-winning APB16 and APB8 hardware and professional audio plugins. Learn more at mcdsp.com. Hey, it's Larry Crane. Welcome to the Tape Op Podcast. Jim Keller first made his mark co-penning the 80s hit 8675309, Jenny Jenny, as a member of the band Tommy Two-Tone. In a long and storied career, he has managed Philip Glass, become a staple of the New York music scene, and released several acclaimed albums. His most recent release, by no means, was produced and recorded by Mitchell Froom and David Boucher, and features David Hildago, Michael Urbano, and Bob Glaub. Jeff Stanfield caught up on a three-way Zoom call with Jim in New York and Mitchell in New Zealand to discuss. Enjoy. So, for those that aren't familiar with with you or your music or history, you know, your first break was as a member of the Bay Area band Tommy Two Tone and right. a co-writer of the mega hit 8675309 which i'm sure everyone now knows your history yeah. immediately right. um can, can you talk a little bit about that period uh i mean what is there to say i was in my 20s for starters so everything was everything was a good time uh you know i was in a rock and roll band doing exactly what i wanted to be doing we were a funky bar band in northern california uh playing roadhouses and uh, places outside of San Francisco where we can make money to, you know, I always loved it because it was this combination of rednecks, cowboys, hippies, local. It was this crazy mix of people up in Northern California that was really, you know, a gas. And then, you know, we got a record deal and that was on our second record. Uh, first record had a top 40 single on it and we toured with Petty on the refugee tour, Dim Torpedoes. And then the second record came out and had an 867 on it, you know, and that's like, uh, which I wrote with Alex Call, and he was really the main writer on it. It was me and him. He was from a band called Clover in the olden days. But we had written a bunch of stuff. And uh, when that happened, it was just one of those things where we knew it was fun. That's all I can tell you. We knew it was just a gas to play. And then when I brought it to the band, um, you know, it just was intoxicating for everybody. Um, we didn't think we didn't think it was going to be a hit. Nobody thinks it's, that's going to happen, but <laughs> yeah. um, it did. And it's kind of cool because I I, I like the song. Uh, it's not a new wave. It's not an '80s thing. It's basically a rock and roll song. And we were a bar band, and it's a bar band rock and roll song. And it still works, I think, partially because you know it's not really. You know, the genre is not, there's no synths on it, and it's not, like, really tied to some moment. And, you know, at any rate, it's, you know, I'm lucky to have one hit like that, believe me. It's great. Yeah, well, I'm and I'm sure it, it you know, continues to pay dividends. <laughs> so Yeah, there's that, that, you know, yeah. That's great. Um, maybe you could tell me a little bit about how, you know, Mitchell, you could tell me about how you got involved with, with Jim and how you guys met and started making music together. Well... We met at the time, right, Jim? It was when you were still working with Rufus Wainwright. Yeah, you know, he was managing him for a while. And so that's how we connected. And we just got along. And then uh, Jim sent me some songs. Uh, that was quite a bit later. And 
it, it just happened pretty, I hate to use the word organically, but I, I heard a bunch of songs, had a few ideas. We started talking, then we started working on the songs and, you know, just the way music goes. Well, let's talk a little bit about this new record, which I, which I really love. And um, I found myself just putting it on repeatedly because it was just such a, an easy listen, you know, both sonically and I, and I love the stories and the lyrics and it, it's recorded and assembled and produced in a way that's just, to me, a little different than records are being made today. Well, we, we um, over the time of working on the songs, the concept started to develop, uh, which was, we started leaning towards the songs that Jim sang the most conversationally. And I kind of started mocking up a few demos just to get a vibe. And I started listening to some records that I really liked and I thought in some ways applied to this. And so we spent a long time developing something that the idea was it was just going to be very simple but gratifying so uh and played everyone together there's no click track just played music and uh, so then we got to the point where we were casting around for the ideal musicians for that and i love michael urbano i thought he would be perfect for this he, he's a Great studio drummer, but he great groove and 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 his uh, you played with him. He is he it propels yeah. forward when he plays. It's very funky though, and it's not rushing, but it just moves in a really yeah. nice way. Yeah. And then we're both friends with Bob Glaub, who's you know not much needs to be said about Bob. He's 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 just himself. And David Hidalgo to me was by far my first choice. If you're gonna do something this simple, and even in some songs it gets to a solo and he'll just play rhythm, he won't even go to a solo. Like that kind of guitarist, he's the only one I know that would do that in a way that I thought would work really well. So we just waited till everyone was available, uh, spent months really developing the songs and getting a basic vibe going for him and then we recorded really quickly. Were you guys just collaborating um, bi-coastally and sending things back yeah. and forth? Were you were you mocking up things in your studio? I was mocking things up, yeah, in a, in a, in a pretty rough way. But uh, the idea was uh, I would get a guitar vocal for Jim and I'd put a kind of a backing to it that it would at least point the way so that when everyone heard it, they would hear a basic vibe we were going for. And then... Very much, I said, if you like anything about it, take it. If you don't, make it your own. Just, this is the song. And they're all very simple, very straightforward. And then we, I had a lot of conversation with David Boucher, who co you know, I've worked with for years now. And so he was fashioning a sound in his mind, uh, an approach of how to get there. And I guess in some ways it's old school, but I don't think of it so much as old school. It's just playing music. You know, we, we didn't, I had references in mind, but we weren't putting those records up trying to get it to sound like, you know, I, I really thought JJ Kale's Naturally record was kind of a prototype in my mind, but we didn't put the record up and try to copy it. Or, or and also Roger Miller, like Dang Me, and th there were certain records that 
it was more like uh, informed just how satisfying a thing could be just played without a lot of ornamentation, you know, and, and I think a lot of this also, Jeff, was that, uh, you know, what, what Mitchell was listening to, what he gravitated towards when I first set the material to him were my pure songwriting. They're not even demos. It's me literally strumming with my thumb and singing, talk singing at 8.30 in the morning, my songwriting things. And, you know, he got back to me pretty quickly and said, that's, that's the shit, you know? And to me, it was, in a lot of ways, it was a revelation because I would usually always take those songwriting things and then go in with a band and crank it up an octave and start screaming to get over the rhythm section. And so for me, you know, what Mitchell did is that he put a bead on this thing where it was like, okay, that is it. You know, where you are right then with that quiet strumming on my thumb, whatever rhythm is coming off that and where my vocal is in that place, which is much more intimate than where it often ends up being so it was that was a big part of you know what mitchell brought to me and then every step we took i feel like was about how to keep that as the focus and this is with david engineering and co-producing and those players so that it all works from that really simple place and i mean one of the things that mitchell says and i always say is that you know things sound simple but man it isn't easy to make simple stuff it's really hard to do something that sounds really simple. Yeah. Um, so when that, you get near that. Yeah, otherwise, a lot of times if you say, let's keep it simple, it just sounds like what people would think is a basic track. Oh, that's what you play. Now let's add stuff and make a record out of it. It's much more challenging to make a record out of the simplicity. So what everyone plays and the rhythm which they play it is is crucial. It's got to be more than what it seems, you know, and Jim, when he plays with his thumb, like Michael Urbano focused on that right away and said, that's what I'm playing with. It's almost, I really like that. It's almost like playing with a conga player in a way. It, it, so he based all his rhythm around the way that felt. So he tried to get that working like a machine. And, and so it was, it was, it was, it was interesting, but it was, you know, it was really fun to do once we got in doing it, but it's intense, you know, the other point that both of you guys made about maintaining that, I always like to call it like sort of the bedroom demo vibe, you know, and if it was stemmed off that, being able to actually produce and fulfill a, a record vision, but maintaining that is a real challenge. Yeah, um, and when people played, it was not like, oh, we're going to play sensitively. It was the opposite. It was like, no, we're going to really lay this down. This is going to make all those kids that are bashing on their drums and stuff just sound weak because this is actually rooted down in a deeper place. You know, it's, and it's played really confidently and there's these decisions. No, I'm not going to show off. I'm going to keep this thing going, yeah. you know, and that's a much actually tougher thing to do. I mean, like more badass thing to do than to just start like yeah. ex over expressing yourself. So it came with this attitude that that was the opposite of of oh let's be really sensitive here it was trying to dig into a deep place yeah. and you know yeah hopefully you can well it yeah. feels tough is that something that you're continually having to address or is that like inherent in the players that you choose for sessions there was conversations with all the musicians and so each everybody knew who they were and what their job was 
coming into it. And they were all the type of people that would obviously embrace this because that's what they would naturally gravitate towards if allowed, you know, so. How much working of the songs happened with the group once they were all in the room? Was it was it pretty formulated or did things sort of evolve? Things evolved, but they just started playing and it would inevitably go into a slightly different place. But I think the mood, Jim, wouldn't you say that? The moods were pretty consistent to what we where we had started. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's the thing that was so... Um enlightening to me with Mitchell and with David. I mean, I have never sat down in front of a microphone and had it feel so effortless for me to get a song across. And that is, you know, part of that is that Mitchell and David knew because they talked about it exactly what they had in mind and that the players were also been briefed and they knew what the mission was. And it, it's, it's, you know, and it, in a way it's, it makes it easy. And I hate to use the word easy because there's nothing easy about it. It's because you have really talented people involved with a clear vision about what they're going for. And, you know, I'm very fortunate because I was kind of the focal point of how those things were being built around it. But it was, all that stuff was really defined when we walked into that room. And I think, what do we track for five days? Maybe yeah, I can't remember. Something like that. But yeah. it wasn't, yeah, it's five days. And, you know, we sat down and, you know, it was, it, it, it's not like it took all day to get a drum sound or a vocal sound right. or anything, man. It, it was very, uh, very quick, generally speaking. You yeah. Know? Well, you get guys like Michael Urbano in the room and their drums sound good. I mean, it's, it's easy to record a great drummer. You can stick one mic on the kit and it sounds great because they balance themselves. I think that's overlooked in music production, especially with younger people. They feel like they need to put a million mics on the drums and spend all day working on a snare sound. But really, you could just hire a great drummer who's, who knows how to tune his drums to the yeah, song. You know, Michael tunes his drums for each song. So he just we'll play it and then he'll listen and he'll tweak it a little bit. And most of the sound is, yes, it's not very many microphones. Certainly not a lot of close mics on things. It's like an overhead, couple overheads. And, you know, it's, it's meant, it sounds best if it's like you say, balanced and played well. That's, that's otherwise it's kind of a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it, like I said, I think it's overlooked. And as people are learning, you know, I mean, tape, people read tape op and, and they're looking for, they're looking for insight into making good sounding records. And I think, um, you know, there's a, there's a ton of knowledge and experience that goes into being able to use one microphone, oh, yeah. you know, and where to put that one mic and, and how to bring people in a room together and where they sit and the people that you bring in. And, and I think that that's really evident on this record is that the tones are married so nicely to the sentiment of each song and they help tell the story. This is not new. This isn't new news to you, but I think it's worth stating for the listener because that's so much a part. It feels to me anyway, that's so much a part of making a great record is being aware of things that bring the songs to life musically and tonally rather than just clinically. Yeah, well, this is, I'm not suggesting that this is the way everyone should go on every record. I've worked completely in opposite ways, but it seemed suited to this. But what also needs to be said is, you know, a big part of why the record came out well is 
we started from these really intimate little tapes that, that Jim was in. But when he got in front of a band, he had to deliver. Those are live vocals. He had to step up into it. And he did. I, I don't know if it was stressful for him or whatever, but it was that was new because he had never sung that way with a band played and sung that way with a band and really had to deliver because there was no tomorrow with this stuff. So that, that was, you know, I don't think you can underestimate that. However good the drummer is, if the singer guitar player is not delivering it, nothing's going to sure. happen. So, well, let's start with easy rider. It's funny. Easy rider. I don't remember writing it uh, literally. I mean, maybe Mitchell remembers when I wrote it. I have no memory, whatever, about when I wrote that song. And I think it's a solo me writing, you know, but I have no memory. Uh, what I do remember is uh, when we when we were done with the record, that it was it was kind of like, well, both of us thought this is, you know, track one side one uh, for whatever reason. And uh, I still feel like it's the great way to start a record. And Michael's uh, fill into the beginning of that song is, you know, it's priceless. For me as a writer, what that song is, is about is about being 26 years old, being 24 years old and, you know, driving all night and, uh, you know, and now PCH. And it's, you know, it's really a throwback to, you know, youth and the road and California. It's all about it's all about California and the, you know, to me, the romance and the poetry that is so broad and rugged and extreme out here, uh, especially coming from the East Coast. So to me, that's 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 where that song comes for me anyway, as a songwriter. I liked how simple it was. I remember when, I, when it was a really satisfying song and incredibly simple at the same time, which is kind of a prototype for the whole record to me. Uh, it has a little bit of war in its bones, I think, rhythmically, but uh, and yeah. which I, that's one of my favorite groups. So it's California, there you go, you know. I'm an easy rider, down the road. Don't matter where I'm going, don't matter where I go. Yeah, I'm an easy rider, down the road. Don't matter where I'm going, don't matter where I go. How about find my shadow uh well find my shadow is one of my favorite songs on the record if not my favorite song and uh it's a little different than some of the other stuff i mean what i like about that song is that the track itself is kind of a very kind of uplifting positive vibe but the content is actually not uplifting it's about a guy's lost and so that juxtaposition of those things is always really gratifying as a songwriter when that works. Um, and to me, that track is 
I remember when we were done, <laughs> I, I'm almost sure I, uh, you know, Mitchell and David were like, okay, we're done. And I'm like, what? We're done? Isn't there something else that has to go on this thing? I mean, it's, there's so little going on in that song. Uh, David Hidalgo literally wraps a dollar bill around his an acoustic and just strums it as a percussion instrument. So he's not even playing the guitar. He's, used, he's basically using a percussion instrument and that's the whole track. And so to me, it's a marvel when something like that works. And this, I'm not just saying on this track, but if I hear that anywhere, something like that, again, that's simple. And again, because I like the song a lot, um, you know, that's, that's, that one in particular is really gratifying on all those levels. I haven't been feeling a lot like me. I look in the mirror, I don't know what I see. If the truth don't hurt, it can't set you free. Whatever you say, you say you believe. I want to find my shadow everywhere I look, everywhere I go. No, I don't see anybody I know. I want to find my shadow. I want to find my Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, it, it's one of my favorites. In my mind, a prototype of that kind of thing was some of the Roger Miller stuff, King of the Road, or I just loved as a kid. And it, so with that one, just like a little bit of spring reverb on the vocal, that's the production. You know, it sort of makes it sound like a record. You know, it's like, uh, but yeah, there, the, the sign of what David was doing really indicated how simple it wanted to be because he couldn't find any notes to play that there were no notes to be played so he just gravitated immediately towards a rhythm and uh he was right if you had like a tremolo guitar in there or something it would just start to sound more generic cornier not welcome you know so i think mitchell plays five notes if maybe. I'm not mistaken, there yeah. could be six. <laughs> maybe. But maybe, maybe five notes, literally one, two, three, four, five on the whole song on the keyboard. Yeah, it's just it's just the track. It, it, it's just the way that it it sounds. It just sounds like one of those things. The track is the whole thing and the song. And then when David comes in and sings a harmony, that's like a really big deal. I'm going to find my How about Don't Get Me Started? I mean, I love I love the drum sound on this, and, and this is the one record which reminded me of a, a tilting towards that Latin Playboys somewhere out in the ether there, you know? That was the one song that happened during the pandemic. We were done with the record before the pandemic hit, and that was a song that I wrote on a whim, really, uh, about a friend of mine who was having a really tough time during the lockdown. And I kind of sent it to Mitchell just because, like, I could, and I thought he might get a kick out of it. Uh, it wasn't like, you know, the record was done. So it wasn't like we were playing, you know, here's another song, you know. And then I sent it to Mitchell, and again, that track is my iPhone, mono, uh, my vocal and acoustic guitar, and then Mitchell is everything else. And that's what that track is. And then David later 
added on just the ending, just the ending solo. So, yeah, I mean that's that one, that one's kind of, kind of came out yeah, of that, field. Yeah, that yeah, it's not. Um, I, I was experimenting. You know, everybody had free time. I was I was experimenting with this different way of um, of putting drums things together i have these strange tapes and things and and i was slowing them down doing this doing that and uh came up with this way of working and so i had i had had that rhythm kind of idea it was in a different tempo but when jim sent me the song i was just like oh well maybe i'll just throw this put it in that tempo and throw it behind it and it seemed really like it had a lot of promise so um pretty quickly yeah it was it was just something I'd spent a few days developing, not even knowing about the song. And and they just worked together. So yeah, that, that, that's actually pro, a programmed piece of music. So. Oh, interesting. And so when, you, when you're working that way, are you using, are you using tapes or are you using like Ableton? No, it's, or, um, you know, it, I have, a, I don't know if you ever heard of an Optagon before the, the yeah. So oh, it, yeah. I have, I have uh, some CDs of all the original sessions. Uh, and so I find l little rhythm things and I mess with them and put them together. And I think that track probably has about five or six different rhythm things. I, I took like a cowbell sound and tuned it down two octaves, and, you know, just all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then put a weird effect on right. it. It was just a lot of goofing around to see if I could get something program that felt really good where it's not it doesn't feel regimented at all because there's all these inconsistencies yeah. and so it's a kind of thing that if you would hear this you go like oh man you should do a whole record like that well it won't work it'll just work on the song maybe if you get lucky <laughs> but but you know you have to be lucky it's not like a way to it's not i wouldn't suggest it <laughs> How about Wild Love? Uh, Wild Love had been around for a while, actually. I think of all the songs on the record, uh, I've had that in various configurations for years. And I mean, again, this is one of the cool things about a process when the process works is that I was out here in LA and I was working with Mitchell and you know, we, that was on the list. And I don't remember exactly how it went down, but I do I remember specifically one morning I got up, which is what I want to do. And I just start playing something before my brain says hello. And I just, I literally like sang that arrangement and took that to Mitchell. And that's essentially the arrangement, which is a very, uh, you know, hacked around arrangement. It starts in one place, goes somewhere else, goes back somewhere else. It's not an ABA arrangement at all, but it, it's one of those things where it doesn't matter when something works, it doesn't matter why it works. You just get out of its way. And that was that was one of those songs where to me, it had that process where uh, the arrangement is a little quirky, but it doesn't feel quirky. You know, it feels very fluid and natural, even though it is kind of all over the place. Yeah. Give me wild love, 
don't think the song would work if it had a straight arrangement. I, I think it would it would be kind of uh, it would go be corny or something if it was, was verse chorus verse chorus like that kind of thing. It 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 wouldn't be lively enough. That 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 kind of song, I think, it just needs to feel more free spirited. So it just goes what wherever what occurs to the person. That's what happens, you know. So I, I think it gives the song a lot of life. We may have struggled with it otherwise. I don't know, but I, I think I'm yeah. sure we would have. I don't know that we would have cut yeah. it. Yeah, it, it would have just been the chorus when the landed right. Uh, it, it it's like well, is that the the right chorus, how should we feature it? But if it's just like a, everything's just one thing happens and something else happens, it, 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 I thought it was really good, you know, so. It's a, it's such a, a v valuable point to make is that so sometimes the, you know, you gotta let the river take you where it takes you. And, and it's got, it's kind of gone away anyway, hasn't it? The kind of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge. It, it, most songs aren't like that anymore anyway. and. I, that as a formula kind of wore itself out that that's not a long-standing formula like certainly in the 50s or 40s you know they didn't write songs like that so it's it it's day is done maybe <laughs> you know <laughs> aaba yeah. is done <laughs> i think also that's an example of you know i mean it was uh, for me the feeling of, uh, of what mitchell and i were doing uh, you know, we talk about going into the studio, you know, it's like, you know, you need to have a point of view to go into this, to do anything in the studio or, or you're already one, you know, you're already screwed if you don't have a vision about what you're going for. And um, I think that the fact that we both were letting the fluidity work is, you know, was part of the process, you know, was, uh, I mean, if I had taken that to a, a different producer who had been locked into, well, wait a minute, where's the bridge? Hold it! We got to get the kick of the court. You know, it it would have it would have killed it. Um, yeah, and you'd wonder why it wasn't. You'd wonder what's wrong with it. Yeah, I mean, the whole record just feels like a vibe. I mean, I think that's why I like putting it on. It's just like it just feels like a record I want to put on. It has something in you? You feel the room a little bit. It just feels like you're. It's a little bit more transportive than a lot of modern music that feels literally like it's coming out of a box. You know. Um, that's what we were hoping for is that it would be seductive in that way because the more things that are programmed the more that kind of thing it, it it doesn't pull you in naturally maybe you like the song maybe you like the vibe maybe you admire all the production techniques or whatever but it doesn't naturally pull you in or keep keep you with it so we, we didn't want to ever wear out our welcome we wanted it to just go down yeah, like it was just, it just went down, you know, and, and, and there's no, like I say, not having a click track is a really big deal. Just people playing, adjusting, all that kind of stuff makes things more listenable. It, well, that um, was the thing I was saying before when I sat down, you know, the, for the first day with David's setup and Mitchell's setup, I had never, I had never had that place, my voice have that place in a session before. And where I wasn't always jiggling with the, you know, the headphone mix to try to get, you know, the place for it. I sat down and I could sing from the first note. Now, you know, it sounds like baloney, but it's just totally true that, you know, the, the sound and the scope and the edges and the, the textures uh, were completely there. And 
that's not just, you know, that's microphones and all the technology, but it's also just the way that fits in with the way other people are playing. And, you know, it made it easy. Is it, again, that word again is not a, not a good word, but, you know, when you're in your, um, when you're in your wheelhouse, uh, it, it just, it, everything works a lot easier. And this whole thing was built around my wheelhouse, which was really a blessing. Yeah, yeah hopefully the idea is that it could raise the game for Jim. So he's not worried about singing in tune or finding like, is this too loud or uh, in my phone? So he could just sing, you know? So it's all about now just delivering and getting into it. And, and hopefully everyone's following him and backing him up so now we can just try to get the great performance, which is maybe in, in that way, it's old school. You know, you do four or five takes and you pick the best one, you know. One thing that kind of stuck out in what Jim just said was that it sounded like you were kind of hearing the record as you were cutting the record. How do you know what to play? How does anyone know what to play unless they know what what the function of what they're doing is? So if you have like 80 guitar parts how's someone supposed to do number 81 if he doesn't know which ones are going to be used or what he should play or with what intensity should he play it or you know so yeah we wanted to hear a satisfying record when we were listening to playback which put some pressure on the engineer but you know there you go yeah um how about one more how about done done walking the line Another one of my favorites on this record. Well, that song was just an excuse to use some of my favorite lyric hooks. Uh, You know, there's a couple of lines in there I just love. Um, And it was, uh, you know, it was kind of in a way it was started out as like in the definitely the B category. It was like, that was never going to be like track one, side one. But it was one of those things where it just, to me as a songwriter, it just, it makes me smile. You know, there's enough going on in it that um, I'm, you know, entertained and I kind of want to hear where it's going. Um, so, it, but again, it's so it's such a simple track, you know, um, but it's, again, as a songwriter, it's just gratifying because I feel like it just gives you enough little twists to make you kind of go, oh, okay, that's not just, you know, some blues progression or something or country progression yeah i I mean i looked at it as sort of the bookend to find my shadow they kind of have a similar it's almost like you cut those two things as a side b side you know back in the day or whatever that somebody just had a couple songs like that and that's how we did them you know so they're different but they have a similar attitude i think one for the money and two for the show Free to get ready now, go, get, go. You took me to the limit, exceeded the low. Babe, I'm done walking the line. I changed my number, tossed in my cars, pushed the hook right through, and cut off the vibe. I can live with the pain, and I'm digging the sky. So, babe, I'm done walking the line. Yeah, this road leads to nowhere and nowhere I shall go And the sooner I'll get there, the sooner I'll know The reason it took me so long to unload all this baggage I thought I needed to survive mm. I get up every morning, have coffee and pie
Think of all the sunshine I let pass. Any other standouts for you or, or songs that uh, you, you want to bring to light? I like I Don't Want to Fight. That, that's the other one. It's one of my favorites. I, it just comes on like a a record, you know, for lack of better words. I, I just really like the way that came out. the thing that's nice that I do like them all it is something that uh you know I I play from top to bottom and I don't find myself you know going I wish I, I wish I'd done something different on that track you know the, the, that thing that you go through often when you make a record um yeah so I mean it's 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 really uh it's great to be able to get to track 10 11 and, and, and still have a smile on my face I, I would say that Jim did the work the reason why we're he's saying those things is because we must have gone through over 30 songs i mean we, we were tough on the process we didn't just it wasn't just like here's 15 songs let's pick the best 10 or something it we it was tough so hopefully it was worth it <laughs> yeah i think so <laughs> well thanks guys i'll let you go and uh thanks for your time and, and thanks for making oh cool thank record. you sure thank you jeff yeah Thanks for listening. Find us online at tapeop.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time.